Wow. Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing good. Look, can we give our online viewers just a hand of appreciation online? Thank you for tuning in. Those of you who have recently gotten over COVID, welcome. You're all guessing now, aren't you? Who shouldn't I sit by? Um, <laughs> I'll give you one clue. Never mind. No. Hey, man, I feel good today. I don't know if it was that third cup of coffee or it was the energy drink, but something just jacked me up on the way here. But I think it was the worship. Just amazing. That was that one, that one line. This it hit me. I cried both services. The one line that said, I never held you up, so I can't let you down. Wow. Wow. I, think about that, church. I mean, God is God. God is God. I know we got you know, it's, we we lift our hands up, so it's not it's not referring to that. It's just this whole this whole thing that God, you're not ever going to let God down. It's, it's impossible to let God down. Now, he wants us to walk in obedience. He wants us to walk in that love. But, man, God, God is so good. Amen? And, 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 and seriously, we want to pray for people who have been ill uh, lately. I want to pray for them right now, those who are suffering from different illnesses and sicknesses. And, and um, Jireh is our provider, amen. And those that have gotten over and getting over different things, um, I don't want to. I don't want to speak to that lightly. I want to just. I just want to believe God. Um, I like my message today, but I want. I want to pray that God would just continue to move on on your behalf. Can we do that, Father? We just thank you, Lord, today, Lord. We we speak against even COVID and illnesses. We speak against sicknesses and disease, infirmities. We speak against poverty. We speak against uh, relationship issues, Father, Lord. We, we speak against those things right now. And we pray, Lord, that you would loosen your love, loosen your blessing, loosen that praise and grace on repeat, Father. Thank you, Lord God, for your perfect way, your perfect will, your perfect love, your perfect joy, and your perfect peace in all of our situations and everything that we do. God, we love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Church said, amen. So I was going to come out of Psalms 16 and Psalms 133. I think I'm going to just do 133, but I want to read Psalm 16 out of the Message Bible because it's a really cool translation. Uh, and uh, some different people have asked recently, what translation do I read out of? I normally read out of the ESV. I've done King James, New King James, NIV, uh, the Holman's Message. Uh, I really kind of read whatever seems right for the for that particular sermon, uh, I'm not bound to any translation. Uh, some people are. That, that's just not my style. Um, so we're we're pretty we move pretty freely at Grace Church, uh, and and people not not everybody gets that. Uh, and I and I and I'm okay with that. And and I apologize if we're not using your translation. But I feel like the in in some regards the message really brings it across really well. So I'm going to read. Psalm 16 out of the message, but we're going to really study Psalm 133. Uh, the, in parts of it, they kind of go together, but for the most part, uh, I couldn't do a series on Psalms without doing Psalm 133. That's kind of our our uh, our anchor as a, as a family, and so I want to I want to speak that to you. I want to speak that into your life. I feel like I've I've gotten to that place in my life where maybe I maybe 
I have something to give back. And so I want to give you today a golden nugget from the Dolphins household uh, on how, how we tick, what makes us, what make, what makes us move in and out, what's, what's our moving parts. But first, I'm going to read Psalm 16, uh, then we'll pray. Uh, this is just a really cool translation. Uh, David speaking, and he says this, Keep me safe, O God. I've run for dear life to you. Oh, I say to God, be my Lord. Without you, nothing makes sense. And these God-chosen lives all around, what splendid friends they make. Don't just go shopping for a God. Gods are not for sale. I'll swear or never make or treat God names like brand names. My choice is you, God first and only. And now I find I'm your choice. You set me up with a house and a yard, and then you make me your heir. The wise counsel God gives when I'm awake is confirmed by my sleeping heart. Day and night, I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going, and I'm not going to let it go. I'm happy from the inside out, and from the outside in, I'm firmly formed. You canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination anymore. Now you've got my feet on the life path, all radiant from the shining of your face. Ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right way. You're never going to let God down. Amen? What a cool thought that is. You're, you're on the right path. You're on the right way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for truth, the spirit of truth, spirit of love. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all the God lives here, all the God uh, lovers here, Lord, and, and the they are wonderful, splendid friends to be around. Thank you for them. Those that aren't feeling well, heal them. Those who aren't doing well, deliver them. Those who aren't uh, able, provide for them. Those that, Father, Lord, are, are lingering or longing for you, fill them. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had the pleasure of meeting Marcus's friend at the first service. He came last week as well. Marcus was preaching at a different, uh, a different church and uh, what a wonderful spirit this gentleman has. And you could tell that God had filled the heart of this man. And, and it was just it, it, just incredible to see how God moves in different ways and mysterious ways. And, and, uh, and how we too long for that to take place. There is a scripture in Psalms 133 that talks about uh, God's unity and walking together in unity. If you know mine and um, Janie's history, uh, 42 years being married, very young when we got married, uh, didn't have it all put together, didn't really, we were really clueless, didn't know anything of what life was about or what to do, and then we started having babies and... Uh, one thing added to another, and before we knew it, we were early 20s with three kids, and, and uh, jobs were hard to, to come by. Uh, there was a bit of a recession, and interest rates were high, and just the whole, just all this stuff, and uh, the kids laugh at me when I relive those stories, but they were impressionable upon me. They, they impacted me in tremendous ways on how God moves, not the, the sorrow of it or not the, 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 the uh, fragileness of it, but the, the seriousness of how God moves. And our pastor, my father-in-law, preached a message uh, out of Psalms 133 years ago, and uh, one thing he said in that 
just stuck with me forever. And Jane and I would go home, as we still do, and talk about the message or talk about the service, and we would do that way back then, and the kids were little, and Andrew wasn't even around yet. And, and one of the things that uh, the, that nutshell of Psalm 133, where there is unity, God commands the blessing. And it hit me. It just it hit me that if we walk together, if her and I walk together through life, that it would only bless us. It would bless our kids, and uh, as an end result, it would bless our church and it would bless our uh, businesses or uh, where we worked. It would bless our neighborhood and who we dealt with and had a relationship with. And 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 I would I want to bring that to you today because it's not only uh, a golden nugget from us. It's something that I think. Every family, every organization, every team uh, can use. When we, uh, you see, you, you see at a sports event, maybe uh, uh, athletes bickering at each other, fighting against each other. You see it in organizations where this side doesn't like that side. We see it in the, the United States, which is a, almost a, a conundrum, if you will, of the United States of America, and, and we can't get along as states. We're you know this way or we're that way. We're extreme right. We're extreme left. We're uh, there's no middle ground. We can't we can't come to a conclusion, and it's a trick of the enemy. Uh, Fidel Castro said uh, back in 1956, maybe it was or 58, that nobody will take down the United States of America except the United States of America itself. And I think we're, we're starting to realize that a little bit. Uh, that when we removed God, we started to place self, and whenever we place self then we start to bicker and fight and, and get, you know, discord and disunity. And so uh, as I read this psalm today, we'll walk through a few things. I want you just to, to gravitate to it. Is there anything in this psalm that maybe I'm not doing? Is there something here that maybe, because uh, we always look at psalms or we look at the prayer of the scriptures, and sometimes we look at it, how can I benefit from it? Uh, today, the first part anyways, I'd like you to look at how can I add to it? How can I be that ingredient in my family or in my workplace or in my community or certainly in my church? How can I be that part that continues to bring that unity, that continues to make peace? Jesus said, blessed be the, the peacemaker. They shall inherit the earth. There's a, a significance of being a peacemaker and walking in uh, humility and unity. One of our Proverbs this week that I had read uh, in in uh, my quiet time was uh, humility and the fear of the Lord brings riches, honor, and life. And so uh, gravitate to that. It's Again, it's not about uh, being rich or having honor or having a fulfilled life, but those are great benefits for walking in humility and for fearing God. Not being afraid of God, but this awesome reverence of who God is. So when we walk in the fear of the Lord, God, you are in charge. I love you. I care for you. This is what David is saying in Psalm 16 that I need to walk in this fear of God. And we, 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 we come to this place. I, I've been there. I get there sometimes where we want flesh to take over and we want to just you, it literally or figuratively, we want to fight our way out of it. it it's okay. Uh, but we, in all things, have to allow God to move. So, uh, Jason, we'll go through Psalms 133, one verse at a time, and then we'll, we'll go to a cap, couple capsized notes. The Bible says, 
behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers, and you can put in there, and sisters uh, dwell together in unity. This is, a, this is a statement David is making. David's family uh, is in somewhat disarray. His, uh, his uh, has a couple kids that want to kill him so that they can take over the kingdom. Uh, his own family was a little bit in disarray, but he always looked out for his mother and father. In fact, he looked out for his brothers. When he went into the cave of Dulam, he, he set aside down at Moab, his mom and dad, and said, would you watch them? Would you cover them until we get things figured out? And so he rounded up 400 disgruntled, in-debt, dangerous men, and he formed a unity bond with them. Unity is one of the things in Scripture that is true whether you are a God-lover or not. There are several things, uh, biblical principles that work, whether, you, whether you're a God follower or not. One of them is finances. One of them is if you give, the Bible says Solomon, wisest man in the world at the time, so there is he that scatters abroad, yet has his barns full. There are others who hold on to what they have, and they're always needing more. So what, what does that mean? There's a biblical principle that you can follow whether you love God or don't love God. Now, personally, I'd say it's even better and should be adhered to the people who love God. If you love God, you should follow this principle. You should give. Amen. I mean, Pastor Mark, that's good preaching. We can stop right there. Not for the church's benefit, not for my benefit, not for anybody, but for your benefit. About 12 or 14 years ago, 10 billionaires got together, all right? And they said, let's agree on this. Let's agree to give away all of our wealth. So uh, you would say right now, I know, I know some of you are saying, well, if I was a billionaire, I'd give it away too. Probably not, because if you can't give it away if you're a hundredaire, you won't give it away if you're a billionaire. How many hundred heirs are we in the house? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take that, devil. Uh, hundred heir, thousand heir, millionaire, billionaire, whatever. T Twelve or fourteen billionaires got, or ten billionaires got together. Twelve or fourteen years ago, and they decided let's give away our wealth. Our, our wealth. Some uh, gave away some to their family, minimal. One billionaire called the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, one of the wisest men uh, investment-wise in the whole world. Janie and I could take you by his house. It's a modest home in Omaha, Nebraska. He buys his, used to buy his suits from J.C. Penney's right off the rack. He was not impressed with himself or anybody else. He gave $1.4 billion to each of his kids. They complained. I wouldn't complain. If you want to give us $1.4 billion, that would be all right. My kids won't complain. They're not getting $1.4 billion. <laughs> they, get, they might get $1.4K each. <laughs> it's $1,400, Marcus, if you're, if, you're, <laughs> if, if you're adding up. $1.4 thousand each. Why bother, right? He was worth $64 billion at the time. He gave away $32 billion. Again, do the math. That's half of everything he owned he gave away. He gave it to organizations that were going to help people. All right? That was around 12 years ago. Him and 10 other people gave away all their wealth. 12 years ago, Warren Buffett was worth $64 billion. He gave away $32 billion on one day. On Friday, he was worth $118 billion. How does that work? 
it's a biblical principle that when you give things away, God keeps giving back to you. He just keeps giving back and back and back. Listen, I want to give a shout out to a person whose name I will not, but for two times now that we've done food, this person has bought all the food for special events. That person will continue to be blessed. Can we just give a shout out? to You don't know that person. That person doesn't even want you to know, but they keep saying, let me, let me do this, let me do this, and God keeps blessing and blessing and blessing. Why is it? It's a biblical principle, church. And it would be, so this is a true statistic 35% of people in any given church actually support the church. 65% don't. Oh, preach it now. Ooh, Pastor, that was such a good song service, and now you're going to rip us with the word. I want to do it for your benefit. It's something I got early on, all right? Uh, and, and Janie and I always ask each other's advice, and then we'll pray when we think we might have it. Then we pray for the Holy Spirit to really straighten us out. And so early on, when I got the unity message, I'd also gotten the giving message, and I thought, man, this, this, this giving principle really works. Now, did, have we had valleys in our life? Yes, we have had financial valleys in our life, relational valleys in our life, spiritual valleys in our life. We've had valleys in our life, but God has always picked us up on eagle's wings and carried us up and out. It's always been a wonderful, miraculous thing to watch how God works, and we've always gave. We always, we always ask God, in fact, if it was a special offering, what should we give? If it was our tithing offering, we would always, that would be the first check we would write. It's a biblical principle that whether you follow God or not, if you give on God's behalf, he will always give back. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise today because he is worthy to be praised. That's a biblical principle. The other biblical principle is unity. Where there's unity, God commands this blessing. And how good and how pleasant is it when brothers, especially, and sisters dwell together in unity. So listen, to, stop for a second. If you're on your workplace and you're united, it's a biblical principle that there's going to be blessing there. Listen, this is why we see some organizations that you think like they're a gang organization, they're a drug organization. How can they have this move? Or maybe they're an organization that doesn't follow God, but they have this unity. There's a blessing there. Pastor, how can that be? Well, you take all the way back to Genesis, the 11th chapter, where they're building a tower in Babel that they want to reach the heavens. And God, according to Scripture, looks at Jesus and the Holy Spirit and says, we need to go down there and bring some confusion to their voices so that they they don't reach the heavens. I mean, they were so united in what they were doing. They were building this tower, and they, and they were not God followers. You look at sports teams who actually get it, all right? And you, get, you look at teams that, like, man, this is a, they're, they're, following, they're following suit. In 19, or 2008, the Boston Celtics won the world championship, and their, their code phrase for the, for the year was Ubuntu. And that means I am because we are. Think about that. What an attitude that is. I am because we are. In other words, in the sports world, especially where it's all about me, and we see the guy scoring the touchdown and not the guy throwing the key block. We see the guy making the three, but not the guy giving the assist. And Steph Curry from North Carolina is a key component of how it's, the game should be played. With humility, how can a guy six foot one just dominate the NBA through humility and the fear of the Lord? There are riches, honor, and life. 
We see it played out in the sports world, but we also see the whole thing about unity. When a team comes together, when an organization comes together, when a political party comes together, when people come together, when a church comes together, when churches and the world come together, revival will break out. When churches fight against each other, when people fight against each other, when families fight against each other, and Janie and I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, figured this out 42 years ago, that if we walk as one, in fact, Amos says, how can two walk together lest they be one? Deuteronomy says one can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000. But Ecclesiastes said a threefold cord is not easily broken. If you will walk as one with the people that are in your life, God will bless your socks off. It won't even be funny how God will move. We do some of the dumbest things in the world. We do. You all know that. Like, what are they doing now? Those guys are crazy. And God will bless us unbelievably because we walk as one, because we walk together. Those guys are crazy. Those guys are nuts. Yeah, those guys are blessed. I can't, I can't help it. I'm sorry. We don't fight. We get along. We love each other. We check each other's advice, and we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Because, behold, how good and how pleasant it is when we walk together in unity, when we walk together in unity, when the community walks together in unity, when the United States used to walk together in unity, how good and pleasant it is when we don't have our own agenda, we have each other's agenda. We look out for each other. David finally gets it. He understands this is a beautiful thing. If we walk together in unity, if we walk together in love, if we walk together, there's a, there's a fragrance. Let's go to verse number two. The Bible says, it's like the precious oil on the head uh, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the uh, collar of his robes. He, they, the psalmist here is painting us a picture. That now there's this anointing oil. Whenever it talks about oil, it talks about anointing. It talks about a freshness. It talks about just the fresh. Then it talks about a fragrance. When you walk together in unity and in love with your people and your family, whether if you're a single head of household, your your children, or even by, if you're by yourself, you just walk in unity. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you're united with God. You're united with yourself. You're united with your other people. If you're you're a head of household, or if you're uh, you're married and you and your spouse or walking together. Unity starts at the top. If you do not get along, how can you expect your kids to get along? If you're a boss, if you're a co-worker, if you're an employer or an employee, if you don't get along, how can you expect somebody else to get along? If you're a coach, if you're a leader, if you don't get along, your, own, your team represents what they see. I will preach. Your pastors get along. Our team is incredible. Everybody for everybody else. Everybody looking at how can we help each other. Our elders are incredible. They get along. They're, they love each other. They love their spouses. They, they love their pastors. They love their, we're all friends. We all get along. Your, your church gets along. A Grace Church, you get along. Thank you for getting along. It's like an, an anointing oil that comes down from heaven. And it starts to spread and people start to see that. And the grace isn't this the sloppy thing that we just shout out. Grace is this thing on repeat that all of a sudden it's like, wow, you mean I get another dose of grace again today? 
I get another dose of grace tomorrow. This grace comes in. It's like a precious anointing that flows. But Aaron is the great high priest. He's the Levite. He's the guy. And this is why David or the psalmist is saying this. It's just like Aaron is if you are in charge, you charge that unity. You say, and I, you, our oldest daughter, Jill, to this day will say, when we have a family motto, she, she would say it back in middle school when we'd have small group, and she would say, don't, we don't, no, Papa, Papa, don't let us not be united. Papa and Mama always say, where there's unity, God commands the blessing, even life evermore. Instill that in you, instill that in your kids, instill that in your grandbabies, instill that in, in the, your coworkers, instill that in your friends, but instill it in love. I was in sales in, uh, for 10 years, and I, I didn't like talking to people. That's a, that's a bad occupation if you don't like talking to people. Janie says, how in the world are you going to sell something if you don't like talking to people? I don't know, honey. It, we'll see if this thing works out. I think it's God. All right. And she says, well, I'm going to pray for you. I think she prayed and fasted, interceded, tarried. I think she did all. I think she didn't eat for 40 days. She said, God, we got to eat. And the Lord just started blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. And one day one of the kids kind of rose up and I said, don't you dare mess with our blessings. Don't do it. Don't you dare do that. You got a child raising up. You set them down and say, listen, our home is blessed because we walk together as one. And if you ain't one of us, we're going to have to get rid of you. Nah, just. <laughs> I'm teasing, kind of. <laughs> Don't mess with the blessing. If you want to be anointed, be blessed. Let's read the last verse, and i got three things for you. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Not a blessing, not blessings, but the blessing. What is it? It's life evermore. It's eternal security. It's eternal life. It's eternal well-being with Jesus Christ. But Herman's dew is different. There's flowers that grow on Herman even this day that uh, don't require rain. They require the dew. They require that morning moisture, you know, humidity, whatever you would call it here in North Carolina. When they go outside, it hasn't rained for three days, but the, the grass is wet because of the humidity. There's a dew on Hermon that falls. And it's like uh, Zion, we know, is the place called best. And so now the Lord's commanded this. He, he commands that dew to rise up and, and make those, those um, uh, 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 shrubbery flourish and be, and be healthy and be, and be green lush. And that's what he does for you. If you're walking in unity in your family, if you're walking in unity and love in your church, in your business, in, in your neighborhood, with your community, if you're walking in unity and then all of a sudden God causes you to flourish. He causes you to shine bright. He calls you like, why Why does that work? I, I was in sales and I was no good the first year and the second year got a little bit better and Janie and I were walking in unity. By year number three, year number four, year number five, my salary started to double and I started to, to do really well and God started to bless and, and the, the owners of the company said, why in the world? I mean, how, like, they know you. I know you. How, how can you be so good? <laughs> like, not, I know you, and that's why you're good, is I know you. How can you be good? <laughs> like, I know me too. And I, I, other than the fact that my wife prays for me every day and we walk together in unity, I, no, that's not what, I, I don't want to hear that. 
I don't want to hear that biblical stuff from you. I want to hear what makes you so good so we can treat everybody else. I, I, my wife prays for me, and we walk together in unity, and God said he would bless us. I'll just keep doing what you're doing. Godly principles can be practiced by the world, and they are, even though they're not understood by the world. If you're a Christ follower, you can actually understand why the godly principles work. Because God said so. Because God calls it. And when God calls those things, he says, for the Lord has commanded, the Lord has commanded the blessing. The end of Psalm 16, the last verse 11 said, in the in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So now I'm walking in God's fullness. I'm walking in God's joy. I have peace about every situation of my life. There's nothing that the enemy can throw a curveball at because I know God ultimately is in control anyways. And when we walk in unity, then we don't pick each other apart in our, in our families or in our loved ones or with our kids or with our parents or with our grandkids or with our grandparents or with our sisters and brothers or aunts and uncles or nieces and nephews or church people or co-workers or employers or employee. And some people have, they have an out against the, the boss man. They, oh, he's just out to get me or he's just out to help me. And there's all, them, all of a sudden there's a, there's a wedge there that is driven between and people don't get along and if they don't get along then they break this unity because they break the unity then God holds the blessing. Let me give you three things really quickly before we take communion. We're going to take communion this morning because of what Paul says, and I'll tell you that too. Unity brings the anointing, number one. You can write that down and take a picture. Unity brings the anointing. We talked about that. We just saw it. But in the anointing, there's commissioning, there's blessing, and there's empowerment. There's commission, there's blessing, and there's empowerment in the anointing. So God commissions you. As a, as a faith follower, as someone who walks in unity, he commissions you to continue to walk in unity. Then he blesses you and he gives you empowerment. All of a sudden you can do things that you never dreamt of doing because God causes this blessing upon you. And there's an anointing there that is, that is just unheard of. Number two, God, uh, unity brings blessing. We talked about this as well. We don't walk in unity to be blessed, but as we walk in unity, we are blessed. And part of the blessing is the authority. The Bible talks about in Psalm 16, which I read, but, but read it quickly out of the uh, Message Bible, talks about the right hand of God. And where we know Jesus is making intercession for us, but then there's a right hand of authority. Jesus has all authority. In fact, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me. Now, by association, I I give it to you. And if we walk in unity, when the disciples gathered together, 120 of them in the upper room, where they stayed for 10 days, give or take, and prayed for the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they were all in one accord. What were they? They were united. They were together. They were all on the same page. They were thinking the same thoughts. And what happens? The Holy Spirit came and just rushed them through like cloven tongues of fire. And we dispute that, oh, well, were they, were they this or were they that? Was it just for a season? Was it, let's not talk about, let's talk about the bigger picture. God wants you to succeed, but he wants you to succeed together. He's not looking at individuals. He's looking at the collective whole. And when he looks at the collective whole, he doesn't just want to bless one person. He wants to bless everybody. There's a power there. And then last but not least, unity brings refreshing. There's a refreshing that takes place in the, in the fact that there's unity. It's like the dew on Hermon. The, the uh, 
Hebrew translation would say this, it relieves tension. Think about that. When we're fighting against each other, when there's no unity, when there's discord, I want that, I want that, I want that. And, then, and spiritual, uh, charismatic churches, a lot of people will play the God card. Uh, God told me we should have chairs and not pews. And the other person said, well, God told me the carpet should be gray and not black. And other, well, the, the, God told me we should change the lighting system. And, God, and we play the God card, and it's, not, it's about dumb stuff. So we don't, we don't even do that. Just Janie and I make most of the decisions around here. Y'all think I'm joking. We, we, I talk to the, the guys, the team, the board, and say, hey, here's, here's what I think we should do, what we'd like to do. They're unified. We're unified. And, and it gets done. Why is that important? Because I don't want to break unity in things that don't matter. We need to be unified on the block parties when we're going to reach a community that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Like the guy a couple weeks ago that literally was going to end his life is now coming to church and just asking for God for miracles in his life because he needs miracles. That's because 30 people went out one afternoon unified. Unified. That's because Marcus and another man were unified, not, not saying, well, I'm going to pray that way. Well, you need to pray. They weren't fighting among themselves. They were together praying a guy through to salvation who now is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. It brings refreshing. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't be, you know, it's not these things that like, I'm going to do it my way and everybody else can, although I just said we're going to do it our way. It's not, it's... It's walking in unity and agreement. When we walk in unity, if I needed a search and rescue, I would call James. I'm not going to tell James how to do it. James, one of my kids is lost in a canyon somewhere. Now, here's what I need you to do. I'm going to call James, and James is going to go find one of my kids or my dog or whatever. Because that's what he does. That's unity. Unity's not Everybody doing the same thing the same way, har unity is more harmony. So if, if everybody played the guitar, we'd just have a big guitar session up here like we did back in the 70s. Or if everybody played the keyboard or everybody played the drums, we'd have Wipeout. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to look as good as Foltz does anyway, so... If everybody's saying, you know, the high part or the low part or whatever, no, you have to have harmony. So sometimes people do different things, and someone would say, well, that's not unity. It probably is more unified than what a person thinks. Unity is key, and unity doesn't happen overnight. Come on back, worship team, if you can. Unity is something that is practice. Unity takes time. Unity takes practice and patience. And unity takes effort. And it's like, hey, if you're not on the same page, then you have to be bold enough within your uh, realm to, to speak it out. You might have to tell one of your kids, hey, you're messing with our blessing. You might have to tell a, a spouse or a relationship partner. You might have to tell an employer or an employee, hey, we, we got to work this thing out because it's really important. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 chapter, was visiting the Corinthian church, which is a lot like the church in America, extremely blessed, but very dysfunctional. And, and Paul says, like, you guys are coming in, hating each other in the parking lot, 
but yet you're acting like you love each other inside, and then when you leave, you hate each other again. Paul says that, and I'm making it modern day, but that's really what Paul's talking about to the church. He says, when you come together, you need to look out for each other. You need to, you need to, uh, you need to value each other. When I see different people in service, I think, man, it's, it's good to see you guys. They, they got those cool set of twins. You know, they're like this because they're so tall. Doug, it's good to see you and your family in church. I mean, it's just good. That future sister-in-law, she got the groove on when she worships. It's, it's good. Like, it's good. This is what David said in Psalm 6. It's good to see the brother and sisters in the same. It's good. Like, I can't wait to get to church. I want to see everybody. It's good to see my friend Gary Sherrill and Boyd Johnson. It's just good to see people. Why is that important? Because that's what heaven is going to be like. I mean, we don't want you on a level by yourself in heaven because you hate everybody. We want you to love people. And if teams can get along and when championships and, and musical instruments can get along, the church has to get along. And Grace Church, I applaud you because you do. I'm not saying you, I'm just saying the church and the world, if we're not careful, becomes very dysfunctional. And there's this message of unity that's only three verses long and might have been the most impactful message in our whole life other than salvation. Two dumb kids from South Omaha, Nebraska that decided one day they were going to walk in unity. And I can't count the blessings bestowed upon our kids because God has honored our unity together. I can't take credit for all their blessings. I can't take credit for their education and their hard work. I can't take credit for them making wise decisions. I can't take credit for them doing things right. But I can take credit for access because God decided to bless his word when two people decided they were going to walk it out. So I'm going to challenge you today. If there's a part of you or your family or your organization or your business or your team that's not walking in unity, don't wonder why you're not blessed. Wonder how you can get blessed. And Paul tells that Corinthian church, you're a little dysfunctional. Here's how you do it. Let's take communion and come out of communion. Let's look at each other. Let's walk out the door and leave all the hate behind and make sure that God is exalted. And then we truly can sing grace and praise on repeat. Stand with me. I'm going to ask for Landon and Carol and Gary and Jerry to come up and help me with communion. And we're going to give it just a second. Paul has a strong exhortation to the Corinthian church. And he says, you need to examine yourself because if you do this and you're out of, you're out of sorts, then you're gonna bring you're gonna bring trouble upon yourself. And so I want you to close your eyes and just bow your heads for a moment. If you're here today, and maybe you had a bad week, maybe it's been a bad month or even a bad season in your life. Maybe you found yourself just removed a little bit from who Jesus is and you need to press back in. You can simply say, Father, forgive me. 
Forgive the things I've done or thought or seen, how I've acted. Forgive my selfish pride. Forgive my, myself for getting in the way. Lord, it's got to all be about you. Help me to be walk in unity with my loved ones, my family, my friends, co-workers, my spouse, my, my kids. Help me to walk as one with you. Help me to share as a Christ follower. I'm examining myself. I want you to examine yourself. If you're bringing discord into your home, just ask the Lord to forgive you right now. And then walk it, walk it out peaceably. And even let those in your home know, hey, we're gonna talk this thing out. We're gonna sit down. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a family meeting. We're gonna we're gonna walk it out in unity. Why? Because we love each other, because God's given us to each other. And then do it. I'd like you in just a moment to move to the middle aisle or center center aisle nearest you come up and grab the elements and if you can try to circle around the back side come back to your seat and then hang on to the elements paul encourages us that we should take communion together as brothers and sisters in christ so if you get the elements hang on to them and we'll we'll pray a blessing upon the elements and we'll take them together would you come at this time god bless you
sinned and fell. It was restored on the cross. And the night that Jesus was betrayed, he with his with his 12 disciples, and one betrayed him. And he knew that he would drink this cup and eat this bread one last time with them. But he also knew that it would re reunite heaven and earth. That he would soon see his father again. It was a bitter, bittersweet moment because he was going to leave his loved ones here and reunited with his father there. And so communion represents what Christ did so strongly that it's like the body and blood of Jesus. And so in a moment after we pray and take it, if there's healing, if there's a miracle, if there's unity that you need in your life, ask the Lord that through the elements, you can one, reunite with him and reunite with those loved ones that you have. So ask Marcus to come up and bless the bread today and then we'll take it together. Father, we thank you for sending your only son Lord, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. Jesus, we are so filled with gratitude this morning. Lord, so that we can be with you forever in heaven. And it's because of the body that was broken. Because of the body that was broken for us so that we can be healed. So that we can be saved. So that we can be set free. Lord, we will never forget what you did for us on that cross. So today we ask that you bless this bread. Bless this body that was broken for us, that we may we eat it in remembrance of you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's take the bread together. There's a sense of reverence and respect, an awesome fear when we take communion, but there's also a sense of celebration. For what Jesus did, he did willingly, and he did out of love for us and of all of mankind, so that we could be reunited with the Father. When we take the cup in just a second, it represents the blood that was spilled for us, that covers our sins, that becomes our advocate, our propitiation, our go-between that Christ decided to shed for each of us. It was the sacrifice that was needed to be made by the Father, was a requirement. He freely gave his life as a ransom for us. So when we take the cup in just a second, recognize that's just not a cup of juice. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ and the act of love that reunited us with the Father. Father, bless this cup and thank you for it. Thank you for your son Jesus and what he did for us. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit and how he enlightens us and gives us wisdom and strength. Now bless this cup. Lord, each person here today and their reunity with you through the act of love from your son and the shedding of his blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take the cup together.
I believe we had church today, amen. <laughs> How many of you just love the Lord today? What a powerful message on unity, knitting us together with Jesus Christ as the head and each one of us as parts of the body. What a powerful message. Thank you, Papa. Uh, I had an interesting uh, perspective, vantage point, sitting on the front row while we were taking communion and just seeing each person come in this act of unity to say that together we're going to break bread. And I thought about how little each one of us has in common with each other. We have an extremely diverse church, and it's unusual, and it's beautiful. It is absolutely, I think, I, I hate to compare, but I will, but I just think we have the most beautiful church. And there's just nothing that we have in common with each other, except for the one thing that matters, and that we've all been bought with the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that each one of us is grateful for what Jesus did on the cross. That's really the only thing we have in common. We don't all belong to the same country club. We don't all live in the same neighborhood. We come from the most diverse walks of life that the Hickory metro area could provide, and yet we are brothers and sisters. We stand arm in arm, ready to fight battle and to go to war for the person next to us, even if we barely know her. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the kingdom of Christ? As you look around today, I just want you to think of that as a picture of heaven today. And that when we say that we're a church for all people, that means everybody's welcome. It doesn't matter where you are. Now let's stand one to that together. I don't know if you said it in this service, but John 17, you said in the first service, that the world is going to know that Jesus Christ is one with the Father because they see the unity in the body of Christ. So as we go out today, let's bear one another's burdens. Let's lift each other up in prayer. Let's fight for one another. And as we do that, even in the church, the world is going to know that Jesus Christ is who he said he was and that he is coming back and that together we are on the winning side. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for each person here today, each brother and sister in Christ. Lord, I thank you that you have placed a love in each one of our hearts for each other, that we are a family, Jesus, and that you are the head of this church. I pray that you would activate this body to do what you have called us to do, that you would assemble us together, Lord, to do the work that you've called us for. Empower us, Lord, with the Holy Spirit to do what we cannot do on our own, so that together, united in Christ, we can reach this community and the world with the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. Go before us today. Bless each person here. And I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you. God bless you. Have an incredible week. And we'll see you next Sunday.